Stop me if you've heard this before. The Alabama Crimson Tide men's basketball program is in the news for issues with the law. But this time, head coach Nate Oates is handling things swiftly, publicly, and directly. But is it enough to change the prevailing narrative about the program? You are Locked On College Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, welcome into the Locked On College Basketball Podcast, the only daily national college hoop show out there. I'm your host today, Isaac Shade, and I want to thank you so much for joining us, particularly those of you who are everydayers hanging out with us every single day of the week. Thanks so much for being here. By the way, we have hit 850 subscribers on YouTube. Big, massive thanks to all of you. Don't forget that we are free and available anywhere you get podcasts to come and join us. Coming up on the show today, the NBA early entry deadline has come and gone. Some updates for you there, as well as updates to the one and done rule in college basketball. But we do need to start talking once again about Alabama getting in trouble with the police. It's been a rough last several months for Nate Oates and the Crimson Tide basketball program. When it comes to these types of conversations, remember that players in the program were connected to the murder of Jamia Harris earlier this year for various reasons. Uh, Former player Darius Miles was charged with capital murder. And then ultimately freshman Jaden Bradley and Brandon Miller were both at the scene of the murder, not charged. They were witnesses, um, but, you know, were involved in this story and this narrative but not talked about and not investigated fully. The, the, the program was not forthcoming about everything surrounding the events that went on that night. And so it painted uh, a massive stain on things and became a huge talking point throughout the rest of the season, particularly surrounding Brandon Miller because of his status as, you know, one of one, the best freshmen in the nation, one of the best basketball players in college basketball last year, and now a presumptive lottery pick in the 23 NBA draft. But then on Monday, news of an incoming transfers arrest stemming from a second degree marijuana possession uh, charge came out and was reported. So here's, here's what happened over the weekend and where this is all at. So former Wichita State player Jaquan Walton is the player in question. He had verbally committed to Alabama uh, back in March, but had not yet signed with the program. And so that that's who we're talking about. And this guy, Walton, if, if you're keeping tabs on uh, Wichita State last year, he was the Shockers' leading scorer, 13.9 points per game. Also grabbed 5.3 rebounds, 1.9 assists. Um, and was a forward coming in for the Crimson Tide ahead of this season with one year of eligibility left. Maybe there's some things surrounding his transferring because he's already moved around a couple times, and so there's questions. But it doesn't matter anymore, at least in terms of Alabama, because here's the events of what happened. Walton and another were arrested on Saturday evening after police uh, responded to and investigated complaints about large gatherings at some camp at some uh, apartments near the uh, Alabama campus there in Tuscaloosa. Well, an officer uh, approached the vehicle that Walton was in sitting in the passenger seat and smelled marijuana. So um, began investigation 
investigating further. As they came to the car, Walton did inform police, much to his credit, this was a smart thing to do, of a loaded firearm that was under his seat. By the way, that's legal in Alabama, so not, not breaking any rules uh, or, or laws there. But when police looked in, they saw a bunch of marijuana paraphernalia, including 20-ish grams in a baggie. When they did a fuller search, they found two other um, loaded weapons and 12 more grams of weed. And so obviously, this is not a good look for this Alabama program who is coming off of and dealing with the, the issues that they had earlier in this previous season. So uh, a lot of the... Um, weight of that, uh, of the Jamia Harris murder and how in Alabama's involvement in it laid on Nate Oates, the head coach, because it, it was perceived. And I, I, I thought true, at least for me, that, uh, Alabama as a program did not handle that in a forthcoming way. They didn't investigate it in the way they should have. And so, uh, he, he was under a lot of fire for that. So I want to credit, you know, if I'm going to critique, I also want to credit uh, this is the type of thing that you could try to sweep under the rug or, or paint it away or not make it a big deal. But head coach Nate Oates in this scenario addressed this issue quickly and he addressed it publicly and very directly and basically just said, Alabama is no longer recruiting Jaquan Walton and he will not be a student athlete at the University of Alabama. So again, keep in mind, the, the reason we're using that language, um, no longer recruiting Walton, even though he had committed, he had not yet signed with the program. And so it's just like, well, we're, we're rescinding, you know, our, our offer and our recruitment of you. And so I love this move. I, I think it's great. I think it's above board. I think this is how we need to handle situations like this. I, I would imagine you do as well, uh, because we want to help, um, these young, young men and, and young women, to continue to mature and make wise and informed decisions. And sometimes the only way we can do that is by levying punishments against them. But the problem for Nate Oates in Alabama is that because of the poor handling of the circumstances surrounding Jamia Harris's murder, every story of this nature, whether, you know, what, whatever happens, if there's anything with Alabama tied to interactions with the police, the law, whatever it is, every story of this nature is going to be tied back to that murder and Alabama's role or, you know, tangentially or directly in it. For example, let me read to you a snippet from ESPN's write-up on Jaquan Walton's arrest. It states, quote, The arrest occurred near the spot where Jamia Harris was shot and killed on January 15th. Then Alabama player Darius Miles and his friend Michael Davis were charged with capital murder. Court testimony later revealed that two freshman players on the Alabama team that was the number one overall seed in the NCAA tournament were at the scene. Forward Brandon Miller and guard Jaden Bradley have been identified as witnesses, not suspects. Bradley has announced plans to transfer and Miller has declared for the draft and is a projected top five pick. So you see. If there's even a remote way to tie back in, the, the author of this story just basically said, hey, this arrest took place near where Jamia Harris was killed. And so then just relayed that whole story. This is going to continue to come up. 
And so, you know, when, when you think about the Crimson Tide, they do have two other incoming transfers. Andy uh, and I talked about that on Monday's show. Latrell Reitzel coming in from Cal State Fullerton and Aaron Estrada from Hofstra. But the, the transfer incoming class is now just made up of those two players who were guards, not Walton, who was a, a forward who could fill up the stat sheet a little bit. And so... Um, that's what you're looking at. Now they do have three incoming high school commits as well. Alabama does, but they're all ranked outside the top 60. So there's nobody like Brandon Miller or Noah Clowney coming in this season. And so ultimately here's where I land on this thing. This, this level of transparency from Nate Oates and from the program is a right step, a right action in the right direction. But the problem for Alabama is because of what happened, they're going to continue to have to prove themselves going forward. And and they, you know, it's one of the things where you got no one else to blame other than taking a look in the mirror. Now, as Jesus said in the Bible, let he who is without fault cast the first stone. And what happened in that story? Everyone put down their stones, walked away, and didn't stone this woman who had been caught in adultery. So hear me, see me, raise my hand and say, yeah. I have messed up time and again in my life. And every day I'm, I'm trying to make up for that and, and take right steps. And so I, I cannot cast judgment on Nate Oates in this program without seeing myself in that as well. So we're all going through this together. And again, this is a step in the right direction for the program, but they're going to have to continue to do it. We'll obviously keep our eyes on what's happening with the Alabama program going forward throughout the offseason, more transfers in, anyone coming back from the draft, anything of that nature. Speaking of the draft, the early entry deadline has come and gone. That was Monday at the stroke of midnight. And as expected, there were several late additions to that list. The most intriguing, Imani Bates. We're going to talk about him and the early uh, early entry deadline and, and all those dates. Just want to remind you of all that. And we'll do it in just a second. But first, today's episode is brought to you by Built. Are you looking for a delicious snack, but you don't want all the sugar and calories? Well, then you need to taste the best protein bar out there, Built. If you're like me, you're trying to make some healthier snack choices in your life. And you want to do that without compromising on taste, then Built is just the thing for you. They are healthy and they taste amazing. What makes them so good? Well, for starters, these bars are all covered in 100% real dark chocolate. And they come in great flavors. I love churro, but there's like peanut butter brownie, all sorts of great stuff out there. You got to try it for yourself to determine what you would love. And yet, even with all of this, they maintain amazing macros, just 130 calories, only four grams of sugar, and yet 17 grams of protein. And now you don't have to wait around to get a box delivered to you from built.com. You can just head on down to your local Sam's Club or Walmart at Walmart. Go get you a little four count box of cookies and cream. Or maybe you just got a massive hunger for bars or puffs, or you got a big old family. Go to Sam's Club, get you a bulk box. 13 count of, of brownie batter puff. Uh, yeah, that sounds great. Go try it. You'll thank me later when you test out Built, a proud sponsor of the Locked On Network. 
want to remind you that the NFL draft, we're about to talk NBA draft, but the NFL draft starts tomorrow night, Thursday, and Locked On's NFL mock draft special is here and bigger than ever. Follow along with all 32 teams first pick in a six episode ultimate mock draft experience that only we at Locked On can deliver to you. All episodes available now on Locked On NFL Draft on YouTube and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Okay, the early entry deadline to enter the NBA draft came and went Monday at the stroke of midnight. So we mean by that I mean like 11:59 p.m. Sunday into midnight on Monday. So technically you had to have your name in by 11:59 on Sunday. Well, obviously, as happens every year, there's a lot of late entrants who are like, all right, fine, let's do it, whatever. Some of them are like, I'm all in. Some of them maintain their eligibility and just want to test the waters, which, again, as always, why wouldn't you? It's a no-brainer to me. But we learned on Monday morning from Imani Bates' Instagram page that he was among those late, early entrants. That's funny to say. He is an early entrant, but he was late in doing so. He's a late, early entrant. That seems <laughs> uh, dichotomous, but I guess it does actually go together. So uh, l- let me remind you just of the Imani Bates saga. He was this absolute like basketball stud, basketball wonderkind as uh, an early high school student. Um, one Gatorade National Player of the Year as a sophomore was you know on the covers of magazines, all of this stuff. Um, He finished high school in three years and so came to college um, as like a 17, 18 year old. Um, And because of his youth, remember the in the CBA, the collective bargaining agreement with the NBA, you have to be 19 and a year removed from high school to enter the draft. So Bates, because of graduating early, had to play two years in college initially he had committed to Michigan State, eventually reneged on that commitment and wound up at Memphis with Penny Hardaway and a whole host of other talent as as Coach Hardaway often collects. I just said Coach Hardaway. That's weird. I've never, I feel like I've never said that. Penny, right? It just feels right to say Penny. Um, things didn't go great at Memphis. Average nine something points a game. Had an injury riddled season. There were some issues with his dad and everything going on there. And so ultimately, um, rather than his sophomore year transferring to a high major school or another prominent school, whether by choice or by opportunity, I'll leave that to you to decide, wound up deciding to go home and play Nipsilani for Eastern Michigan. And obviously, that's a place where you're going to go and kind of play in obscurity. There were a few times when they they played bigger games, you know, played Michigan. I believe they played South Carolina. And obviously in that environment, he's going to be the dude and he's going to have bigger games. So like had a 40, a career high 43 point game. There was a stretch where he scored 29 points in a row for Eastern Michigan. Um, And so that that's his story of this year had, I, I do think he had a rebound from his freshman year um, and played better this year, but it's hard to compare it because it's Eastern Michigan and not Memphis. And even then it was Memphis and not like a high major, like one of the power six conference schools. And so there's just all of that that you have to take into account. As for some some bio and stats things, remember that he is a tall, skinny drink of water. Imani Bates is 6'10", 170 pounds. He's a forward at Eastern Michigan this year. 
Um, Average 19.2 points a game, 5.8 rebounds, shot 40.5% from the field and 33% from three. So in terms of like, does he stay in? What does he do? I mean, every indication is that he's all in on this thing. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm doing it. I'm going. So when, when you know that you start taking a look at mock drafts. And so I, I looked all over the place at mock drafts, look at ones that were aggregates, looked at individual ones. The highest I saw him rated was, uh, or ranked in a mock draft was 42nd. That was sports illustrated. The lowest was not drafted. Um, uh, there, there are mock drafts where he is not drafted in either of the two rounds, you know, other places I saw him 48, 52, 56, 59, 73. So, I mean, everything we're talking about here is second round, unless there's just something that he shows in workouts or some team just really believes in him. He's not going in the first round. And even if a team believes in him, probably nobody else does to that first round level. And so he's going to be at best a second round pick and not even like in the top 10 of that. Like, right. We're talking forties. So it's just, it's, it's one of those odd stories where you see a kid pop really, really early. And then either the development stalls or everyone else catches up, right? Sometimes you just have somebody who develops at a higher rate than everyone else. And then everyone else catches up. Sometimes you have guys that just their skill set never develops for one reason or another. And, and part of that people talk about with Bates is, is the Academy that his dad created um, where, where he played. Um, another part of his story. And I mean, we, it, it's just part of today's show, I guess, talking about run-ins with the law, a reminder that back in September, he was charged with two felonies, which included carrying a concealed weapon that was pled down to a misdemeanor and 18 months of probation and so had to serve that he was suspended both as a, as an athlete and a student from Eastern Michigan, but was eventually reinstated and able to play basketball. Obviously, we've been talking about his numbers last year. So I, I don't know what's going to happen with Imani Bates. This is such an intriguing story to me. I want to watch it and follow it and see what happens from very top of everything in high school to Memphis to Eastern Michigan, to can I make it in this NBA? Can my offensive unique skill set intrigue some um, some team enough to take a shot at me in the second round? Maybe. We'll see. Speaking of all this, let me give you a quick reminder of all the important dates upcoming. As I said, we've already passed the early entry deadline date. So if there's a player on your team that didn't didn't enter the draft, you're good. Because he, he can't anymore unless he just transfers or withdraws or quits or something. Um, but in terms of NBA stuff, if there's a player still on your college roster, congrats to you. Um, the draft combine is coming up May 15th through the 21st. That'll be in Chicago this year. Also, there's some interesting stuff happening uh, coming up in the future with uh, players being required to be at the combine and participate in a certain level of activities. That's not this year. I believe that will start next year in the summer of 24. As always, the way this works with the NCAA is players have until 10 days after the combine to withdraw from the draft and come back to school. So that would be June 1st would be 10 days 
after that May 21st deadline or the uh, May 21st end of the combine. And so keep your, keep your eyes peeled for that. Players can pull out at any time. They, you know, between now and May 15th, they don't have to go to the combine just from starting to get feedback. They could realize, Oh, that doesn't make sense for me. So um, at any time between now and then, but basically we've got a little over a month until we will know what's going on. Now there's always confusion about these deadlines because there is an NCAA deadline to withdraw and there's an NBA deadline to withdraw from the draft. Um, the NBA deadline is June 12th. And so you might say, oh, they, they've got longer than June 1st. That's not true. In order to maintain NCAA eligibility, a player has to withdraw by June 1st. That, that later date, um, those days from June 2nd to June 12th are essentially for international players um, to to withdraw and not be in the draft. So June 1st is the date you need to know. Speaking of the NBA draft and Imani Bates having to stay in college for two years, there's been speculation about the one and done rule changing in the next collective bargaining agreement. I've got some updates for you on what you need to know. Dates, did it pass? Did it not? Haha, <laughs> we'll talk about it in just a second. All right, folks, last July, July of 2022, Commissioner Adam Silver of the NBA basically opined that he was hopeful for a change in the age limit requiring players to be both 19 and a year removed from high school before coming to the NBA. And it's funny because um, from the commissioner's standpoint, he would like to see that, but from owners and talent evaluator standpoint, they don't want to. The earlier you look at a player, the more speculative your assessment and evaluation of them is, and the more you're going to strike out because players just, you know, the younger they are, the more they have to grow and develop physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, whatever it may be. So when when uh, Commissioner Silver said this last summer, he was basically saying what he said was taking everything into consideration. He thinks this would be the right thing to do to change the limit back, back to 18 or whatever it needed to be to allow players to go directly from high school straight to the NBA. Uh, so some pop quizzes, what was the last class to be able to go directly from high school to the NBA? Give me the year thinking it respond to it. Let me see it on YouTube. If you're watching three, two, one, it was 2005, not 2003. I think a lot of people think that LeBron was the last class. No sirree, Bob. 2005 was the last class. And so the hope as we began looking ahead at the um, next CBA is that um, perhaps it would restart the, the prep to pro route, if you'll allow me to call it that phrase, would restart with the class of 2025, literally two decades removed from the last player to do that. Which, by the way, here's another pop quiz for you. Who was the last high school player drafted to the NBA? I'll pause and count to three to give you a second to either pause the show or think while I prepare to give you the answer. One, two, Three. Here you go. The last player drafted straight out of high school was Amir Johnson, 56th overall draft pick in the 2005 NBA draft. So here's what started happening because of, of the commissioner's desire and others' desire to see that prep to pro route reestablished. 
NBA personnel started getting out last summer to Peach Jam and other summer events to start looking at that 2025 class, which would um, have been the rising sophomores, the, the kids that are just finishing their sophomore year right now. So that includes players like Cam Boozer, Carlos's son, and Cooper Flagg from New England, who's an absolute stud. I think he had like 50 points in an EYBL game earlier this week. Ridiculous. Here's the only problem. It ain't going to happen. It is not going to happen. When all the the new collective bargaining agreement, the new CBA um, was being, you know, lobbied back and forth, all the conversation between the NBA PA and the NBA itself was being discussed. They did talk about one and done and re-implementing it, but ultimately it was decided that they would not include it in this newest CBA. So one and done, or, or I guess one and done itself is still on the table, but prep to pro high school direct to the NBA is not in this new CBA. Um, and so we're going to have to keep waiting on that. So a little bit more um, uh, of the information on that. Um, the new CBA will go into effect July 1 of this year. It just has to be ratified a few you know, crossing T's and dot and I's and stuff, but it will be in place for this upcoming NBA season. So the 23-24 season, the reports uh, that were coming out like April 1st. So a couple weeks ago are stating that this new deal is going to be a seven year CBA. So essentially running through the 29-30 season. However, there is a mutual opt-out clause that could end it one year earlier, meaning in that case, it would just last through the 2028-29 NBA season. So we've got at least six more basketball seasons before this becomes a thing. And, you know, it's interesting to think about because if and when we ever do get back to that prep to pro route, it's going to upset and disrupt the recruiting cycle for a lot of teams, right? Like if you're recruiting the elite of the elite five star players out of high school in like the 28, 29, class or the 30 class or the 31 class you got to start thinking about is it worth us looking at that top tip top flight talent at the risk that they might leave high school and go direct to the nba who knows who even knows what will be going on in college basketball in six years right if we're being honest with that but regardless we don't have to worry about that for a while now you just keep recruiting as per usual and then you know we'll start having these conversations again in four or five years as they begin to start having negotiations and and conversations ahead of like are we going to opt out after six years or wait for the full seven years and so in all likelihood we're probably not having this conversation again until 2030 so just keep all that in mind let me say where i'm at on the whole one and done thing while we're talking about this for me for a while I hated the one and done rule. I always said things like if a player wants to go straight to the NBA, let him right. Like it's on him and his family and decision makers and whatever. If, if it works out, like if it's a LeBron situation, awesome. If it's a Kwame Brown situation, who's from my home state of Georgia, where it just is the absolute wrong decision. He didn't have the right people around him telling him the right thing. Like it's America. You get to choose stuff like that. Right. And so for a long time, I was like, 
let's have the people in college basketball that want to be in college basketball that are going to be around a couple years that become household names that help elevate our sport because of the names on the back of the Jersey. Although at that point they couldn't <laughs> yeah, from a, well, I mean they could, but you couldn't sell them at least from an NIL perspective, from an amateurism perspective. I didn't like this idea of rental players, but in recent years I've come around to it. I'm in on it. So now I'm glad that, the the one and done players are going to stay in college basketball for at least another six seasons. We get the best players, at least in America, because international players aren't under the same um, guidelines, coming through college basketball for at least a year, unless, of course, they choose like G League Ignite or something else, which, by the way, that hasn't cut into college basketball all that much either for all you doomsdayers, uh, you know, who are worried about that. It's not it's not a concern. Um and so ultimately, I love that we get this best talent. And I mean, let's just say this. Even if we ceased with one and done and players could go straight to the NBA, college basketball would be just fine. Thank you very much. It was before and it would be again. But ultimately now I'm of the mind that keeping talent around is a good thing. And oh, by the way, let's just say this. In the NIL era that we're in, there is a chance that if you get a kid into college for a year, he might stay because you realize that maybe I'm not as elite as I thought I was. Maybe I'm not as ready as I thought I was, but I could stay here as one of the top talents in all of college basketball and make a mill or two and not risk going and getting stuck in the G league for several years and not making much. And then having to decide, do I want to go overseas or what do I want to do? And so I, I think the current place we're in is rife for this. I think it's perfect and I love it and I'm here for it. So that's where we're at right now. One and done is sticking around for at least another six years, maybe seven, and then we'll renegotiate the whole CBA and start this all over again. Friends, thanks so much for making Locked On College Basketball your first listen today. Coming up on tomorrow's show, uh, I am going to be with you, along with our guy Leaf Tuline. We're going to be taking a look at Houston freshman Jarris Walker, who is headed off to the NBA draft. Please don't forget to leave us a great review on Apple Podcasts, five stars and nice comments, great comments, please and or thank you. Don't forget to subscribe to the show, smash the like button, leave some comments. You can follow me on Twitter at Isaac Shade and don't forget to follow the show on Twitter as well. As always, apologies to the lawyer family. Go Wildcats and until tomorrow, peace.